DJ and PK, it's time to welcome in Frank Dolce, Utah Insider and Analyst for the Zone Sports Network. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Best State Award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controllers. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Frank, good morning. Hey, DJ. Good morning. Hello, PK. Frank. Frank, I got one question for you. <laughs> yes. What was that Sky Ridge coach thinking at the end of the first half the other night, man? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> as it turns out, there was a little miscommunication. I think the the uh, the true story is so. For people who weren't watching that game, Sky Ridge and Corner Canyon, Sky Ridge had a fourth down <laughs> deep in uh, their own territory. And um, and Corner Canyon was starting to take control of that football game. Sky Ridge needed to make something happen. So on fourth and long, in their own territory, they decided to go for it, at least make it look like they were going to go for it. And so they started doing a hard count. Well, all of a sudden, here comes the snap, and the Sky Ridge quarterback rolls out and throws it out of bounds. Oops. <laughs> And, and and turn the ball over on downs. And I think what was supposed to happen was uh, Sky Ridge give a hard count, try and draw a corner canyon offside, take a timeout or a penalty, and punt the ball away. Gotcha. But but the snap uh, in, was inadvertent, inadvertently made, and and then um, you know one thing led to another. But DJ. We now call Frankie D. We call him Jim Gray because he had the walk-off interview at halftime, and he stepped right up and asked the tough question, like you know that big <laughs> thing Jim Gray did with Pete Rose, mm-hmm. and everybody got upset. So now it's Frankie D. is now Jimmy G. <laughs> well, I hope it wasn't inappropriate. I no, it I had to be to asked. That, yeah, I just that's a horrible thing to have to ask it because everybody's like. I, you know, and and clearly, even the coaches were probably saying, "What in the world <laughs> just happened?" So, Corner Canyon's pretty darn good. I mean, um, they, yes, we if, are. If someone, yeah. If someone plays, <laughs> if someone plays a perfect game, and Corner Canyon makes a couple mistakes, oh. which they they can do. You mean like the Utes? Oh, gee, yeah. If they play a, nice a perfect segue. game, they can beat Corner Canyon. If. If the youths play a perfect game, they might have a chance against Corner Canyon. Yeah. Or BYU? <laughs> Corner Canyon may be the best team in the state. I mean, Corner, I think, you know, the talk about winning the South of the Pac 12, I might give it to Corner Canyon. <laughs> you know, they can handle Arizona and Colorado. Oh, for sure. And the <laughs> yeah. Devils will just yeah. commit 82 penalties, so they got them. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, man. These teams can't stay out of their way. And especially the Utes can't can't keep the ball off the ground. Do you remember giggling quietly and averting your eyes in horror as the Pac-12 North went 1-5 the first week? And now it turns out that might be the tougher division. Oh, it's the tougher division. I Ugh. think the South is, the South is a mess. Um, Oregon State shot right up in my book. I mean, they, they look, I, we, I don't know anything about USC still. They're under duress, but, but uh, Oregon State looked really good. 
uh, I like the way that they play, and Coach Smith has that team, seems to have that team on track. So I wouldn't be surprised if if they're kind of in the conversation um, at the end of the year. I, I'm still a little soft on Washington. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people are saying, oh, Washington broke out. I mean, they didn't beat anybody. So <laughs> I I just think that's that's – I'm still – Still kind of soft on that on that program. Oregon still looks like Oregon still looks like the team. Washington State clearly beatable. So and Stanford, um, Stanford is. I mean, Stanford is is going to be one of those roller coaster teams. It seems like to me, one week they're going to be really good, and one week they're going to get beaten and and probably end up somewhere middle of the middle of the north. So I, I still think the north is the more powerful of the of the divisions, the South just seems like a mess right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. But with that in mind, I think that obviously this isn't Utah's strongest team. So if for no other reason that you're not as bad as the other teams or as inconsistent as the other teams, now it remains to be seen that they will or won't be. We don't know that. But go ahead and win it because uh, even if you're just not as bad as the other teams, what difference does it make? And then you're looking, you really can't count last year, at least I don't, and you will have won it uh, three out of four, or if you don't want to count last year, three in a row. So even if it's not your best team, the opportunity is there, so why not take advantage of it? Oh, no no question about it. To me, there are four teams that could win the, could win the division. Um Colorado and Arizona are just—they're not going to do anything. They—they won't be in the conversation at all. Uh, maybe they'll win a game somewhere along the way, but but uh, they're, I just don't think they have anything anything going this year. So, right. so there are four teams that I think have a, le- a legitimate shot at, at winning the South. I guess I would put—I guess I would put Arizona State up top, but it's like kind I of like not, uh, not yet. I'd go with the Bruins. I don't know. Yeah, I Bruins mean, got the two the, best wins in the in the division the right now. It is LSU and Stanford on the road. So I would I would put them. I put out my Pac-12 South rankings the other night, and I had uh, the Bruins number one, and then I had a three-team tie for fifth and a two-team tie for sixth. <laughs> I think that's reasonable. I think you could do. Um, I think you could do a four-team tie up top and a two-team tie at the bottom. I mean, I think you could figure, like, those uh, those four teams, anyone can win the division out of those four teams. Uh, just any given any given Saturday. Utah could beat UCLA. I, I don't think there's any question. Utah can beat any of the teams in the South. I don't think there's any – I don't have any question about that. Agreed. Utah could lose to every team. Well – Lose to at least. You well, know, they're not going to lose to the bottom two contenders, right? So, so uh, it just depends who it, who has their who is on their game you know, on that particular matchup. So, you know, maybe Dorian Thompson Robinson throws three interceptions against Utah, and Utah figures out a way to hold on to the football, and they win that game. Right. I mean, I think that's going to be that that kind of is is going to be half, how it has to go, and I think Utah could harass. USC, I mean, USC has shown its weakness. Arizona State, kind of like you said, shoots themselves in the foot. So maybe you just have to wait around until they make a mistake and then yeah. you just take advantage of it. Right. So, but, but Utah's in the same boat. I mean, Utah could put the ball on the ground three times um, and, and, get, and then be, be bad at the line of scrimmage and get pushed around a little bit. I mean, they've shown that. So 
it's just a, the, the South is really is really funny this year. I thought the offensive line did a little bit of pushing around against Washington State, and I don't want to build Washington State up to be all that. But for an offensive line that hadn't done enough of that, the O-line couldn't control how many times the ball hit the ground. But the O-line did open holes, and they did get rushing yardage. So baby steps, but that was a positive. I think it's positive. I think you're right. And sometimes you need to beat up on beat up on somebody a little bit to figure out that's how you do it. And Utah hasn't been able to do that until Washington State at the, at the offensive front. I still think there are issues up there that need to be corrected. And Utah was still subbing guys at that, trying to find, find the right five. So I, I do think they took a step forward there. I, I did like the way they ran the ball, especially at times. Um, but like you said, the, the, the three fumbles put a real damper on that afternoon. And if you don't have those three fumbles, maybe you're talking about Utah scoring another 14 points, and then the game looks a lot different. And maybe you don't come out with so many questions. But, but the three fumbles are critical. And uh, if that's going to be a continuing trend, then Utah's just going to r- really struggle to win football games. What did you think of Rising? Somewhat uneven. I thought he might be better in his first start this year. I think we were all hoping he would be better because um, he he did so well against San Diego State, or he provided such a spark against San Diego State. And so, I mean, I think the expectation was probably that he would come in and throw three touchdowns and throw for 250 yards and you know, 65, 70% completion, all the all that good stuff, be really secure with the ball. And he looked uneasy. I thought he looked uneasy. Uh, he did some good things. There's certainly stuff to work on. And, I, I, you know, I just don't know what goes, goes into that. If he was uptight about the game um, or, or whatever it was, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a lack of preparation. So... You know, I'll give him a passing grade on that one. Uh, it seemed like he just did enough. But but for Utah to be, I mean, I think the formula is still the same for Utah. Powerful running game, get the running game going, beat up the defense at the line of scrimmage, high-efficiency passing game. And now I really like that Cam Rising brings the ability to run the ball from the quarterback position. I think that's... That I, I think that puts the defense, you know, makes the defense really uneasy. So if he can clean up the passing a little bit um, and get to that 60, 65% completion, um, use his legs, be secure with the football, I think Utah has a pretty good shot. Um, it's, just, it's just cleaning that stuff up. And, and then that's the other thing I was saying, like, it still needs to be cleaned up at the offensive line. I'm not sure that Rising has a, you know, 100% comfort level behind his offensive line. I think they've just been they've just been a little soft up front um, to to gain that trust of the quarterback. So we'll see. You know, I mean, obviously they have an off week this week, but we'll see how it goes on the next outing. But that that offensive line still needs a little work. So how do you sort out the running backs after they seem to have run through pretty much all the running backs? <laughs> truth is I would start Pledger I think (laughs) I mean he seemed like and who knows I mean could be the time of the game or could be that Utah just figured something out 
I don't know, but he just seemed like the most dynamic in that game. And so I think he's earned himself a spot, and he certainly didn't put the ball on the ground. Uh, I think Mackay Bernard is super steady, and that was kind of an unfortunate, unfortunate deal. I don't know what to think about Tavion Thomas. I mean, it, it seems like every time he touches the ball, it's coming out. And I know that it came out after the play, but it's just like it's become habit. And so he seems like a super talented guy. And maybe you try and find him reps when um, in less critical kind of offensive series to get him some confidence. But uh, at this point, it seems to me that Pledger and Bernard would be my top two guys. And I might even lean toward Pledger because he was so dynamic against Washington State. How do you think that when it's time to play, you've got to play, right? The game is going to be scheduled. It's trivial in the big picture relative to a player dying. But how do these guys shake that off? Because, man, what a tragedy. And I don't know how you do that. No, it is tra- it is tragic. And, you know, we've been thinking about it a lot, obviously. And, and all of the circumstances surrounding it, um, you know, with, with – the the link to Ty Jordan and I mean it's all it's all um, it's just strange and tragic like you said so but I think that that uh, these guys to be in a in a in the middle of a team in in the middle of a, a season in the middle of a team atmosphere with all of your guys around you I think that's going to be really helpful all of those guys to work through all of this whatever they're you know whatever they're going through right now and guys will manage it manage it differently but if I had to manage something like this alone versus managing it with you know 85 or 100 other guys that I'm pretty close to I think I would rather have a, a group around where we could work through it and so um, as tragic as it is this may be the best case scenario for the team to work through something like this and and try and figure out how to uh, move forward appropriately and and honor um, low and his memory and and figure out a way to manage the rest of the season it's it's just a horrible horrible situation and it just kind of hangs hangs all over you i i was in a situation in high school um when uh, we had, there was a player on an opposing team who had a heart attack in the middle of the game. Uh, or, excuse me, right at the end of the game. They, they called the game, and he ended up passing away. And, I mean, that's just something that, that it just hangs on you for the rest of the year. I mean, it's really hard to shake that. But, um, but to have a bunch of other people who are going through the same thing around you seemed like it was pretty helpful. Frank Dolce joining us here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Uh, I want you to address the question of the day. BYU's joining the Big 12. We don't know if they're going to have 8, 9, or 10 conference games. I would guess 9, but there's an argument for 8 and 10. Should they continue to play Utah and or Utah State? What do you think? (laughs) Well... (laughs) I'm I'm always a fan of the in-state rivalry, but uh, like I I like to see Utah play BYU, and I like to see Utah play 
Utah State regularly. I like those games. I think those are fun games to 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 be a part of. So yeah, I'm in favor of it. But I don't. I also don't feel like if one of the teams takes a year off or wants to schedule something else for a year or two years or whatever and take a break, that doesn't bother me at all. Like I have, I'm completely indifferent about that. I don't understand. <laughs> the rivalry craziness that you, you know, you have to play every year. And if you don't play, then you're ducking somebody or whatever the the argument is. I feel like the rivalry games and the in-state games should be regular occurrences and maybe only take, uh, you know, a a two-year hiatus at the most. But if there are other circumstances that arise, and you have an opportunity to play somewhere else or someone else or something that's meaningful for the program, then by all means, go do that. And, and then we'll re, you know, you, 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 you start up the rivalry game when it's appropriate or the in-state game when it's appropriate. So uh, I like it. I think it should be played regularly. I have no issue when it's not played. Frank, we'll leave it right there. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next week. Hey, great to talk to you guys. Yep, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Frank Dolce, our Ute Insider. Hear him on all the shows all week long right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver, is coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us.